Hey, this is Jeremy McCrory, and this is the Run for Jesus podcast, a ministry podcast that will help you run the race of faith in your Christian life like never before. This evening, we're going to start like we did last week. We're going to be in Psalms 53. We're going to be looking at the wicked ones. So we will come back around to the prayer list and have prayer groups at the end. You'll notice that I included uh, some of the high points this week on here, and you can take notes around those or draw funny pictures or color them in, however you want to do it. That's what I did as a kid. Uh, so I colored just about every bulletin and did that. So, uh, so anyway, Psalms 53, we're going to look at the wicked ones. And so the wicked ones, what does that mean? Well, in this passage, it talks about those that believe there is no God. And so we know them as atheists, right? That's the terminology we understand. So there's, they're talking about the same thing. But the contents of it all is the foolishness and iniquity of atheism. So what's in direct difference? The difference is the conduct that should be for Christian believers in opposition to atheists. So they believe what they believe is right, and the fruit comes of that, and they deny God. So, but there's, there's consequences of believing that way, right? There's consequences for believing that there is no God. So atheism in itself is without God. It includes this, in case, in case you're not up to speed on that. It includes philosophical systems that deny the existence of gods, plural, Little g. Though atheism was rare in the ancient Near East, some Hellenistic schools of philosophy promoted ideas or versions of the ideas. Modern terms involve the complete denial of the existence of God. The term occurs only once in the New Testament, and in Ephesians 2.12, Paul speaks of without God in the world, referring to alienation from Christ. So there's, there's different connotations of that, but it's a belief without God. And I'm sure as you've looked out along our cultural landscape, it doesn't take long to look to find somebody that doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in the biblical Jesus, doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit, doesn't believe in the coming of Christ, that he has come. There's some that don't believe that he's coming back. You know, there's all kinds of belief systems that are out there, but we're centering on the ones that they've deemed wicked here are the ones that believe there is no God. Okay, so so that's the kind of terminology they're hitting on in Psalms 53 on this evening. So let's look at this. And the first thing we see within the first couple of verses here is that in this world, there's so many people that will deny God's existence. And now, now, for all of us who believe in Jesus Christ, it's impossible for us not to look out or see God at work, right? It's impossible for us not to live a day without going to God and praying and seeking Him for wisdom and knowledge and direction. It's impossible for us to live our life because we believe in God and we believe there's one true God, right? God in three persons, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? We believe they're all part of God, the triune God. So the difference in here is it calls the person who chooses to believe in the world or, or that there is no God labels them a fool, right? Because they don't see the things around them which are readily apparent. 
the fact that God has created so many things around them. And even if that were not enough, looking up into the heavens at night and seeing all that God created. You know, seeing all of these pictures from like the, the telescopes that are going out and all these satellites that are going out that just look back at Earth and they haven't reached the end of space, right? They're still going. They're still going light years out. They're going. And so there's so many of them. And I know years ago it was one of those things where they were trying to replicate the Big Bang or they were trying to prove this and prove that. And the more that I think people test those theories, right, the more they find they're inadequate, right? They can't prove the same result. They can't prove it. So there has to be an intelligent, what they call an intelligent designer, a a person that put all of this together. And the more that they look and the more that they search, they begin to prove instead of disprove their own theories. And so we see in Psalm 53, it says here, It says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have committed abominable justice, injustice. There is no one who does good. Why does it say there's no one who does good? Because you can't do good apart from God, right? You can do good things or things like that, but you can't do good in this passage as it talks. Good that comes only from God. So you might say, well, there are people all over the span of time, if you're going to read back in the history books and everything else, that have, have said they don't believe in God. And that's going to be a true analysis. But I think to more, the more we look at today, there's more and more evidence in this world that people are moving away from Christ and or simply do not care or are not looking for Him. So what does God see? You know, a lot of times we ask that question today. Well, if the world is in such a way as it is, and people are not believing as they should, then what does God see when he looks at the world? Certainly we believe that God, we're reaching a point in our world where the end is near. And I've heard that all my life as a kid growing up, the end is near, the end is coming. And we see indicators, biblical indicators that those things are happening. But we also must look around us and see the way that the world is going, the people in the world, those without Christ in their life that need to know Jesus, that if they were to die and we have not shared our faith or served or gone or been there, then they're going to go to hell forever. Hell is a real place that separates us, yes, from God, but it is torment and torture forever and ever. And so it is a real place. And so we have to be honest with folks. But as we're building these relationships we got to also look from the perspective of what does God see? And it says here in verse 2, it says, God has looked down from heaven upon the sons of man to see if there's anyone who understands, who seeks after God. Where do we see this in several places in Scripture? Isn't there a place where it was like, I believe it was Sodom and Gomorrah, if I'm not right, where they say, if there's just one good person, one righteous person, well, you know, so you go through the list. Does God look down even now, and say, are there anyone who's righteous, who's looking after me? Are those who who live like I don't exist, is there anyone around? Are they turning away from the way that they live? Are they even seeking after why we are here? Because I think some of us, when we go through the purpose in life, why are we here? What are we doing here? As, As Rick Warren said years ago, then we begin to find out that God 
God is calling out to us and salvation is afforded to us. So if we know all of these things, how are we to be the people that addresses these people who've become so corrupt? So how do we address somebody? Do we grab our King James Bible and strap it in our belt and go around and start hitting people in the head with it? It's important we tell people But it's important we understand these people have spent years getting this way. We've got to ease into it, but we've got to tell them the truth. We can't just say, well, if it gets around to it. When we live according to the word of God, we demonstrate what we believe in, right? When we speak the truth and pray for folks, because I've seen people that say, I don't believe there's a God, but I believe you believe there's a God. So I want you to pray. Have you ever came across somebody like that? You, you come across all kinds of weird oddities that says, you know, if you believe that I believe there is a God and that prayer works for me, then prayer will work for you. The reasoning behind that should fit into that. So how do we address a people that have become so corrupt and have turned to their own way? Psalm 53.3 says this, every one of them has turned aside. Together they've become corrupt. There is not one who does good, not even one. What do you think that means? What do you think that means for the estate of the world? I look back to stories like the wide and narrow gates, right? There's a lot of folks that are on the wide gate because that's what everybody believes and everybody, you know, if you believe it, it's okay. You know, they believe in relative truth and it doesn't mean that, that my truth is wrong. It's just one of many truths. God's word says there is but one truth and there is but one way and I am the way. In a world of plurality, it's got to be him. So there's not even one, as, as we look at it, you can flip channels or look through newspapers and say how bad things are, right? You can go visit cities and places where there, there aren't any hardly any churches. Certainly there aren't many people that, that believe in those areas. And you say, well, in Mississippi, what do we have? A church just about everywhere you turn, right? Churches. We have opportunity here to go to church whenever we want to. The Word of God is readily available to us. So not only those corrupt people that are out there, that there's not even one, but what about the ones that don't even call on the Lord? They don't even seek after Him. They don't even look for Him anymore. Verse 4 and 5 says, Have the workers of wickedness no knowledge who eat up my people as though they ate bread and have not called upon God? They were in great fear where fear had not had been, where no fear had been. For God scattered the bones of him who encamped against you. You put them to shame because God had rejected them. Now, you look back at a lot of things in the Old Testament. What happens? Those who stood against the people of God did what? They failed, didn't they? When the people of God were living righteously and going against them, they fell. They fell. And you would think that they would hear about this, right? You would think that that would bring some kind of questioning to, to, to the realness of the one true God. But also, I have to think for the people today, the salvation that God offers, if they would only just turn to Him, Right? See, I think God uses you and I and so many other seemingly insignificant situations to bring people to a point where they 
need to know Jesus Christ. And they make a choice to believe or deny Him. But the Lord of all knew that the world was wicked and corrupted. Knew that no one was going to be righteous, not even one. So He sent Jesus Christ to be the perfect payment for our sin. He was God with us. So He gave His life for us. So the salvation that could be provided, verse 6 says, Oh, the salvation of Israel that would come out of Zion, the city of God. When God restores his captive people, let rejoice, let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. So only if they would just turn. And we think we think about that when we see the, the way the world is. If they would just turn around and believe in Jesus Christ, if they would just confess their sin. But where are we meeting them? Where are we telling them? How are we going to where they are and presenting the gospel to them? Now, there's folks that show up and do that kind of thing. But what difference does it make if they don't know that we care or that we love them as Christ loves them? You know, we just a bunch of heretics screaming. Or is it that the end is near and we know that the end is near? How many of you in here this evening believe in eschatology? I want, I, want to, I want to see some of your brains working to say, what is that? Brother, Brother Ron is going to tell you what it is. What is it? Study of the end times. Study of the end times. He's like, I got you. I'm right here. <laughs> but study of the end times, right? That means that there's many signs and things that are going to happen, but that Jesus will come and will return. And we believe that because the word of God has, has written that, right? But we believe that because of what Jesus said as well. He's preparing a place for me and for you who believe, right? One day he's going to come back and tell us it's time to go home, right? Now he's going to say it in a very Jesus way, but, but I believe that he's going to say it's time. You know, and I believe that the dead in Christ are going to rise. I believe there's going to come a time of judgment. I believe that those who have yet to believe, they're going to come through all of that. And they're going to see all of that. I mean, it's going to be a hard time. So what we believe is the study of end times, the, the scriptural support, the correlating of all things, knowing that the end is coming near. So we have a response. We can say, OK, I know that God is coming back. I know that the end is near. I know that the world is becoming more corrupt. I see it all the time. I don't know when that day is going to come. And I'm sorry, I can't tell you if it's two Thursdays from now or next year or 10 years or not in my lifetime. But he's going to come back. So it shouldn't lead us to panic or dread his coming. Hey, It should create in us a sense of readiness, right? A sense of readiness and urgency in sharing the gospel and serving others. Are you and I ready and prepared to serve others and to share the gospel? I think what we're doing on Sunday evenings through our rooted classes and maybe it's just happened in my small group, but we've been prepared in that group to share our faith and then how to look around and bring that faith to other people, how to serve others, how to demonstrate that faith. So it's not just coming to church, but it's being the church and going out. We've got to communicate why we believe what we believe and sharing the gospel but we've got to understand there's a sense of urgency, right? 
If you see all the things that are happening in the world, and I'm not one of those that's glued to the TV all the time looking at it, but it doesn't take but a moment to know that the world is not getting better, that things aren't getting good. But I also notice these things too. It's a prime opportunity. The harvest is ready, and they're looking for something. And it's an opportunity for us to bring the gospel to them, to serve them, and to go out there. But Because I believe the truth of Scripture can convict the hearts of mankind. You know, I believe that. When you and I go, and we're being obedient to go and to share and to tell the good news to the people He's called us to, then God honors that, and God reaches out to that person. Because I can't save a person. You know, I know that I can't save an individual. God's power, His Spirit, His conviction in their lives is what draws them to Him. And they've got to give an account for that. That's why there's so many religious systems out there that say, well, well, I was christened in the church. I was baptized in the church when I was little. I was this and that and the other. And then what, without fail, has come some point in their life where they've had a religious identity crisis and they've said, Something's not right in my life. I don't understand it. I have pictures of that that happened. And then I ask them a question, which it does happen a lot more in Louisiana where we were. But do you believe in Jesus Christ for yourself? Is this something that was manufactured from your parents that they brought to you? Do you believe and do you know that Jesus Christ died for you? And if today you were to die, you would be in heaven. Do you know those things or not? You got to know them for yourself. And so many of them say, well, well, you know, I go to church. Well, great. Okay. I go to church. What separates you? Well, I go to Sunday school too. Okay. That's great. I give money to the youth fund. Okay. Wonderful. I give a tithe. That's great. I give to all kinds of things and even involved in missions. That's wonderful. But do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? To me, that's the defining thing of people's hearts and minds. Is do they know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Have they accepted Him in that way? And do they believe and demonstrate that belief in their life, the fruitfulness, you know? And if not, then there's opportunity still left for us, right? There's opportunity still left for them. And we have to bring that to them. We are people that are sent, but God does the saving. You know, I believe the only one who will be able to reach such a dark world as we find ourselves living through is in addressing their sin through repentance and believing in Jesus as the only true means of salvation. You ever want to get an argument with somebody, get an argument with somebody that says there's more than one way to Jesus? There's more than one way you can believe. Jesus is the only way. You cannot get to Jesus You cannot get to God without Him. You cannot. There's no side road, cut through, mountaintop, Jesus. There's only one way up there. And that's through believing in the salvation, the repentance of Jesus Christ. What is repentance? We use that word a lot. Sometimes we throw that around. Does that just mean saying, I'm sorry, every every day? I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. Well, it is I'm sorry, but repenting means that you say, God, forgive me of what I have done, then you physically or in your life pivot and turn and you go a different direction. You say, God, that me I've repented of and I don't want anything to do with that. 
in your life, you make certain with intentionality that what you're asking forgiveness for, that, that God has given you that forgiveness for, you just walk away from it. It's not worth coming back to time and again. But repentance is that moving away or that forgiveness and not returning to that. But we know that the end is near. And the question becomes kind of like this. What are we doing to serve Him more boldly and live for Him in the in-between times? Now, here's here's the definition of what I put the in-between times are. The in-between times are the times between our salvation and either Christ comes or we're called home. Most of us talk about a lot of times there's a dash in between our birth and our death. But I think about it more like this. There ought to be a dash between when we knew Jesus Christ and when he called us home. And what are we doing in that time? Do people know what we believe? Do our families know what we believe in? Do those that are around us know our stand for Christ and our willingness not to compromise? Do they know that when we pray for them, we truly pray for them and with them? Do they know what we believe in and are we telling them and communicating that? Are we bringing that to them in such a way that they have the conviction of the Holy Spirit and they want to know Jesus Christ? There's only but one way to heaven, and that's Jesus. And how we live our lives and how we demonstrate in the in-between times is so important. And we have to not just be some of those people who are simply happy knowing that me and my family are just going to heaven, right? I want to be more than that, and I know that you do too. I want to be ones that I want as many people as possible that I encounter in life, from family to friends to Complete strangers. Sometimes it's easier to tell complete strangers about Jesus. But if you haven't built that relationship, oftentimes they got more walls up than you can get through in one conversation. But I want so many others to have that security in Jesus too. Because we get to a certain point in our life and we say, what's next? And I've had so many conversations with folks who've said, look, my grandparents are gone. My parents are gone. It's just me. Do you know Jesus Christ? That's an important question. Because if tomorrow doesn't come, you need to know for sure that you believe in Jesus Christ. Or you need to make a hard, fast decision right now to say, I don't want to believe in Jesus. Because that's either, you either do know Jesus or you don't. There's no gray area. There's no standing in both sides. There's no, I'm doing good. I go to church, but I but I don't know Jesus, so I'm doing okay. You know, it's either you do or you don't, because he's going to ask you and say, do you know me? Better yet, is your name in this book? And if it's not in the book, y'all, we can't write it in, right? We can't say, well, it should be. Look behind the other ones over there. You know, it's either there or it's not. And it's either welcome home, good and faithful servant. Here's your place. I've come to give you, prepare for you. Or he's going to say, depart from me. Hell is your destination. There's no like Florida coast that you're going to. <laughs> there's, there's either heaven or there's hell for eternity. And our choices right now demonstrate that for ourselves, but also to a dead and dying world. And so for us, yes, the wicked ones have always been there. Those who are corrupt have always been there. Those who believe there is no God have always been there. And yes, it seems to be getting progressively worse and worse. God said it would. It's going to happen. But what are we doing in our part to present the gospel, to serve, to go, and fulfill the commission that he's given us? 
You know, and I, I just wonder if there's there's going to be a time, and I'm sure there is, when I get to heaven, he's going to say, I presented you with all of these people. Why didn't you stop? Why didn't you tell them about me? Why didn't you serve them? Why didn't you give them a cup of water? Why didn't you give them some food? Why didn't you give them clothing? Why didn't you do the things that I've called you to do? Because they're standing in line about 10 people back, and they're going to hell. And you never told them. I think I'm going to give an account for that. There's going to be things I should have said that I didn't say. Or there's going to be things I did say that I shouldn't have said. (laughs) But it has to be with intentionality, the longer we live, that those things become more important. Because what I've learned is that there's a time for us all that we will die. And we can be gone tomorrow. We can be gone right here and now. I was sitting in a... I was standing in a singing Christmas tree and there was a guy who was some rose up and he smoothed out and had to go to the hospital. We don't ever know. We don't ever know. But we also know that there is a God in heaven who loves his creation, desires nothing but them to know him and for him to be their Lord and he to be their people. That's all. And that's where we are. Anybody got anything to add? All right, friends. I'm going to offer us a word of prayer, and then we're going to look at our prayer list, okay? Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this wonderful day you've given us. God, I thank you for so many friends and so many families that are here. God, I thank you for your faithfulness, God. God, in a world that we see things getting progressively worse, God, we believe that you are the answer. You always have been and always will be, Father. So, God, I pray that in our own spiritual lives, God, we're willing to go to serve, to help the least of these. Father, we're willing to pray for those that have yet to know you. God, we're willing to do the things that Jesus did and talk to people that have absolutely no clue of their sin so that you might convict them of where they are, but show them that your love is greater than their worst sin. Father, God, I pray that if we in this room and and watching this, God, if we need that repentant heart, God, I pray that we're the ones that lets it start with us. Because, Father, how are we going to explain to someone repentance if we in our lives are not turning to you as we ought to? Father God, I pray that you work a new work in us, in our lives, in our family, in our church. God, help us demonstrate and live according to your word. God, help us to know where to go and who to talk to. God, lead God and direct us in all the ways we should go. And God, give us the ability, the words to say. God, give us your scriptures that when we encounter someone that needs to know of the truth of Jesus Christ, Father, that we're willing to demonstrate and tell that good news to someone who may or may not be here tomorrow. Father God, I thank you for being so good to us when we don't deserve it. And it's in your great and mighty name we do pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Run for Jesus podcast with Jeremy McCrory. Tune in next time for more relevant sermons and ministry helps to help you run the race of faith in your Christian life like never before.